Well, you heard a little happy Christmas memory. Have you ever heard like train wreck Christmas memories? Like really bad Christmas memories? That girl on the video was our oldest daughter, Holly. We sent her out selling Christmas ornaments door to door. You would be shocked how small she was when she did that. She's very sensitive. She came back to the car after selling Christmas ornaments once. She went up to this house. The lady talked to her for a long time. She came back to the car and she just looked shocked. She had a hollow look on her face and her big eyes. She said, that lady doesn't like Christmas. I'm like, why? And then she told this really sad story about something that happened to that lady at Christmas time. And she said, since then, Christmas has been really hard for me. Do you have any hard Christmas stories? Any train wreck Christmas stories? My sister Melanie is here today. And this is good because you will remember the story that I'm about to tell. And if you'd like to get her version after church, you you might want to talk to her. So there was a little window of time, one Christmas time, one winter, when we lived in Battle Creek, when my mother was working at a fabric store. And my dad was a school teacher, and there was going to be a little time when dad hadn't gotten home yet, and mom hadn't gotten home yet, so we we're home alone now if you ever seen movies about this people do innocent things like jump on the bed but not at our house somehow i had managed to irritate one of the neighbor kids i don't know what it was and he decided that he was going to pelt me with snowballs all the way home to our house and then after he got to our house he decided he was going to make snowballs and throw them against the back of the house against the door and we didn't know what to do but we knew we needed to defend our house i think most of these ideas were melanie's we decided well we didn't have any snowballs but we emptied out the ice cubes from the ice cube trays and we started to shoot those ice cubes out into the backyard at this kid who was hitting us with snowballs and then he decided to up his game if you recall he came in the house He threw a snowball in our house, and the sanctity of our home was violated by this boy. As a matter of fact, I remember specifically, Melanie, I don't know how keen your memory is, but he threw a snowball, and it hit our dad's memorimatic system. But you got to understand, my dad, he's very organized, and he has this system of organizing all of the sermons that he's ever preached, and they're in this book, and they're all carefully noted, and the snowball hit this valuable book and knocked it off the shelf. At which point, my memory's a little foggy. The way I remember it, Melanie said, get the gun. (laughs) Is that how you remember it? She's nodding. I love when that happens. She said, get the gun. Now, I normally wouldn't have done something like that, but my older sister said, we needed to defend our home. So down in the basement, we went (laughs) and we got the gun, the BB gun. And we sent that boy scampering home with a little lead in his backside, or at least BBs, or something like that. About that time, while we were pointing the gun out of the backyard, might have been Melanie doing that, or or me. I think it was her. (laughs) You do not want to get her. She looks innocent, but you do not want to get her, her mad. She's pointing the gun, or one of us is pointing the gun out in the backyard, And all of a sudden, a very familiar car pulls up into the driveway, and my mom looks over with horror. That was the end of us being alone for a while. (laughs) 
<laughs> Christmas is a wonderful time for good memories. Maybe, maybe you have some bad memories. That was one of my bad Christmas memories. And it reminds us of how, how bad it is to leave the children alone. In the series that we're going to preach in the four Sundays leading up to Christmas, we're going to take all of our messages from a text in Luke chapter 4. It's one of the stories of Jesus' early ministry, but it comes really early in the gospel of Luke. The gospel according to Luke, Luke and Acts are a singular story of the ministry of Christ and the in the early church and dominant in this story is the work of the holy spirit it's a little bit like this keep this in your heart keep this in your mind at christmas time god sent his son jesus that's luke after jesus ascended back to heaven he sent his holy spirit that's acts god sent his son jesus that's luke jesus sent his spirit that's acts because it's not good <laughs> for the children to be alone. We're in, we're in Luke chapter 4, and I want to read part of the text that we're going to use throughout this series called Why Jesus Came. And we're going to cut into the middle of a story. Jesus has been led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. The next story that Luke tells, is the, that he chooses to tell, is the story of Jesus returning to his hometown where he grew up. And, and, and this is where we find him today in Luke and chapter 4 and verse 1. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. And for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. Then notice in the ministry of Nazareth, it starts in verse 16. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up his scroll and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today... This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing, and all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words coming from his mouth. Well, that's all we'll, we'll read today. In the next four weeks leading up to Christmas, Lord willing, we're going to answer the question, why did Jesus come? And we're going to do it by a deep dive, if you will, a, 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 a thorough treatment of this story, of these words. We'll begin right at the beginning of this story, and we'll stop immediately, and we'll ask questions of the text. What's interesting to me is here you have a story of a local boy, if you will, made good. He's, he, was a, he was a builder, 
or he was a carpenter. Some people believe that the word used there means that he was a builder with stone. When we visited the Holy Land, we, we went to Nazareth, Jesus' hometown. We visited a famous place called the Precipice. That's going to factor in this story a little bit later. And then we went to another little village not too far from there called Sephoris. And Sephoris, there was an amphitheater that was built. Our tour guide had us go out and sit on stones in the amphitheater. And he said, Jesus was raised in Nazareth, just close enough to walk from here. And this place would have taken years to build if Jesus was not only just a carpenter, but actually a stonemason. His hands may have touched these very stones. It was quite a time to sit there and to think, to imagine that Jesus and people that knew him growing up might have worked on those very stones but that's conjecture what conjecture what we do know is jesus was raised in nazareth and that he went to the synagogue every sabbath and then he went and he became well known for his good works well known for healing casting out demons well known for feeding the people well known for preaching and teaching and came back to his hometown so there must have been a buzz in his hometown it must have been a really exciting day at the synagogue where jesus grew up when this local boy, our Savior, the Lord Jesus, who made good, was coming back home, and he would be recognized as a teacher, and so they gave him the scroll to read. And then, like a good rabbi, he sat down to teach. He read from the scroll, the scroll, that what we just read, the section that we read that's recorded in Luke 4 and verses 18 and 19, comes from Isaiah 61. It's a prophetic statement about the future about something that's going to happen in the future yet when when jesus will return and he will bring uh peace to the earth in the in the consummation of the age of all time but there there was a part of this that was describing the time when where jesus lived what we would call the first advent is the first appearing of jesus when he was born as a baby and so forth his second advent was when he'll return in power and great glory the the prophecy according to jesus you can tell that the prophecy is partially fulfilled in the first advent and completely fulfilled in the second advent when Jesus comes back. None of us should ever come to advent, the time that we think about the first appearing of Jesus, without thinking of the second appearing, the second coming of Jesus. You notice our first song that we sang today had a dual meaning, an eagerness to wait for the Lord, who is going to return someday in power and in great glory. And so you have something very interesting, though. In the first part of this story, what happens is it says he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up. It was, it was his custom. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, stood up to read. He's given the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 61 was given to him. He unrolled the scroll, found the place where it's written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me. And later on, he says, and this happened today. This scripture was fulfilled today now what's interesting is that it says the spirit of the lord is upon me and he's anointed me to proclaim good news he's anointed me to to declare the good news but this isn't the first mention of the holy spirit in the first of luke's two books as a matter of fact the holy spirit is mentioned frequently these notes are online if you want to look them up later but look in chapter 1 and verse 15 in Luke chapter 1, the story, of course, Luke chapters 1 and 2 are one of the most beautiful of the birth narratives of Jesus, the Christmas 
passages and you have the birth of John the Baptist foretold who's going to be born to Zachariah and Elizabeth and he's going to be a forerunner of Jesus he's going to introduce Jesus he's going to be the one that says behold the Lamb of God he's going to be the one that baptizes Jesus and and and, and it says about him that he is going to be Luke makes mention of this he says he's going to be filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb I had an enlightening conversation with a young lady this week we were talking about when does life begin and and there are people out there that will say well life begins when a baby takes his first breath I think most of us in the room probably believe that life begins at conception it's interesting here that John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit not from his first breath but he was a living being a human being living being filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb but let's not overlook the fact that he was that that Luke points out he was filled with the Holy Spirit later Luke is going to teach and you, you won't see it today but you see it in the in the Luke Acts teaching of Luke this beautiful God inspired book that it's possible for you and it's possible for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit but John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit then a little bit later on there's going to be a message that comes to the Virgin Mary and the Holy Spirit is going to come upon her and though she's never been with a man she's going to be pregnant by the Holy Spirit and so the Spirit comes upon the Virgin Mary and that's chapter 1 and you can see that in chapter 1 and verse 34 make a note this verse 35 the and Mary says to the angel how can this be since I'm a virgin he says to her the angel says to Mary the Holy Spirit will come upon you John the Baptist is filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb the Virgin Mary is the Holy Spirit has come upon her therefore she's able to bear Jesus in chapter 1 and verse 67 this is a very long uh, chapter chapter 1 is one of the longest uh, chapters 80 verses of Luke chapter uh, 1 there's a prophecy of John the Baptist father the priest Zechariah verse 67 Luke chapter 1 and his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit so Luke just keeps mentioning the Holy Spirit he keeps mentioning the prominence and the importance of the Holy Spirit he's going to do this through both of these books can you remember what I said? Luke is the story of God sending his son, Jesus. Acts is the story of God sending the Holy Spirit. But he's setting us up for this. He's making the point. The Spirit fills John the Baptist from his mother's room. The Spirit comes upon Mary. The Spirit fills Zechariah. And he gives a prophecy, an amazing prophecy. There's another story as, after Jesus is born. Um, there's an elderly priest you remember this story and his name was anybody know his name was the elderly priest was named oh you know this Simeon this is one of those little cameos in the Bible it's just a beautiful story there's an elderly man and he has been walking with God he's sensitive he's a spirit-filled man and God has let him know in his heart that he, even though he's old he knows he's gonna die God has let him know you're not gonna die until you see the, the Messiah come, the, con, the comfort of Israel, the consolation of Israel. You're going to see baby Jesus. This is found in chapter 2 and verse 25. There was a man in Jerusalem. His name was Simeon. And he was, this man was righteous 
He was devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, the comfort of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And then it says in verse 27, he came at the impulse of the Spirit, right? Came in the Spirit to the temple when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law. And he took him in his arms. He blessed him. He said, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For your eyes, that my eyes have seen your salvation, that you prepared in the presence of all people a light for revelation to the Gentiles, the glory of your people Israel. Simeon was a, a righteous man. He was a devout man. He was a spiritually sensitive man. He was a spiritual man. He was a spirit-filled man. God gave him through the Holy Spirit impulses to do things. And when he did them, God did things in his life. This, the promise of the Holy Spirit working like this is given not just to people like Zechariah, John the Baptist, special people, even like Mary or Simeon, but you're going to see in these two books that these promises are given to every believer to have impulses from the Holy Spirit, to be spiritual men, spiritual women, just righteous and devout. It's pretty interesting stuff. In chapter 3 and verse 22, we're, it, we're, it's the story of the baptism of Jesus and the, and the Bible says in verse 22, the Holy Spirit descended on him in a bodily form. What was the bodily form that God used to descend on Jesus in his baptism? A dove. You can tell I'm going to make you work a little bit today. So a dove descends, a symbol of the Holy Spirit. That's why sometimes in charismatic churches, they have the, the dove. Because there's an emphasis on their hearts, you know, on the work of the Holy Spirit. One of the things that we should probably cherry pick and borrow a little bit. Do we believe that God the Holy Spirit fills believers, gives believers impulses, leads believers? Can you walk in the Spirit? Does it really mean something? That'd be something you want, might want to think about on a day like this. And then you see in chapter 4 and verse 1, and I read it before, that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into the wild. It, and this is interesting. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. So God, the Holy Spirit, leads Jesus into the wilderness where he's tempted by the devil. And Luke makes sure to know that Jesus was led by the Spirit. And then we come to this fascinating story about Jesus coming back to his hometown and ministering in a synagogue, and the Bible specifically says that he was, the Spirit of the Lord was upon him, and the Spirit of the Lord anointed him. Now that's as far as we're going to get in our story today, because we should probably stop and think about that a little bit. We talked about this a little bit, the Holy Spirit in Luke and Acts. Let me ask you some questions, and let me teach you some things about the Holy Spirit in you, in a kind of a broad, sweeping way. Okay, first, the Bible says that every believer is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We, we sometimes will say baptized into the Holy Spirit, baptized by the Holy Spirit, or indwelt by the Holy Spirit. You can see this. It, it, are you ready? You, you want your fingers to be nimble today because we're going to spend a little time moving around the Bible, looking at some passages about the Holy Spirit and you, the Holy Spirit and you. So Ephesians chapter 1 says in verse 13, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who's the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire the possession of it. 
And the short version there is that Paul is saying that you all, when you believe in Jesus Christ, have the indwelling spirit. And that indwelling spirit is like a seal of authority from God that he's going to complete what he started in you. There are good people who love the Lord who kind of believe, well, they, they believe, and I think wrongly so, that it's possible to lose your salvation. If it is, I don't have any idea how they would explain Ephesians chapter 1, where it says the Holy Spirit is given to indwell every believer, and he is the seal of God on them until the redemption of the purchased possession. He's the guarantee. He's the down payment. That's what the Bible is saying. But I got to move on because I got a lot to teach today. But let's just say this. The Bible teaches that every believer is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in every believer. My son Chuck uh, turned 35 today. I called him for his birthday, told him what I was speaking about. He said, Dad, he's a youth pastor. He says, try to explain, how would you explain the indwelling Holy Spirit to junior high kids? I go, I do that a lot at camp. Now, here's how I do that. I said to junior high kids, have you ever seen a really bad movie where somebody's demon-possessed? I hate to tell you this, but kids have seen this, some of them. And they'll be like, yeah, you know, and this, the demon, like, takes over and influences them. This is a horrible thing we don't want to spend a lot of time talking about in church. Can you imagine how powerful? Can you imagine how wonderful? Can you imagine how amazing it would be if a person was possessed by God? God, the Holy Spirit, possessing a person, influencing them in a beautiful way. This is what the Bible teaches, that every believer has the Holy Spirit living in them. We should expect great things out of you. You have the Holy Spirit living in you if you're a believer. And if you're not a believer, you should definitely become a believer just for that reason alone. Now look in Romans chapter 8. To understand the work of the Holy Spirit, you really do want to understand Romans 8. One of the things that Paul does in his argument in Romans is he withholds this wonderful thing about the Holy Spirit until he gets all the way to Romans 8. He kind of hints at it going in, and he kind, of, he kind of gives you a hint about it. But then finally, it's like the sun rises in Romans 8. It, early on, you know, in Romans, he talks about how we're all sinful, and we're all like, oh, the vulgar boatman. Yes, we are. And then, and then it's how this sin is damning us and condemning us, and even religious people are hypocrites, and all of that's Romans 1, 2, 3. And then you have this labor, this struggle to be holy, which we all are in. And it's described there in Romans 6 and 7. And it, it almost feels hopeless in Romans 7. It, you know, the, the writers, oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this sin? And then, then finally, it gets to Romans 8. And we're introduced to someone we haven't met before in Romans 8, the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 8, this listen as I read just a bit of Romans chapter 8, just to get a little feel for the, the presence of the Holy Spirit in this. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Jesus Christ from the law of sin and death. Verse 5, those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Verse 6, set your mind on the Spirit. Those who set their mind on the flesh is death, but those who set their mind on the Spirit is life and peace. I'm giving you a little encouragement about what is what some of the promises made to those who are who are influenced, who have the Spirit and are influenced by the Holy Spirit. Verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit. In, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells or indwells you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. You see how plainly that teaches? Every believer is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. This is powerful. 
And if the Spirit, verse 11, who raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Which means if you're a believer and you have an irritating little brother, God can empower you to put up with him. Or if you're a believer and your husband does things to you that irritates you, that God can empower you to live a victorious life in spite of that. Or if the world around you is just crushing you with various different fears and anxieties, but you have the Spirit of God living in you. And, and in verse 13, if you live according to the flesh, you die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you live. For all who are led by the Spirit are of God are the sons of God. It just says over and over again, you have the Holy Spirit in you. You can keep the law in the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 16, uh, the, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. It's the Spirit in you that tells you you have the Spirit of God in you. And verse 17, if children, then heirs, heirs of God, join heirs with Christ. This is a flyover. This is just like touching and going, right? But, it, but, it's, but it's just a bit of teaching from the Bible that every believer is what? Baptized into the Spirit, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. When you're saved, the Holy Spirit lives in you. We should expect great things of you. Ephesians chapter 5 says we can be controlled or dominated by the Holy Spirit, or the Bible often calls that filled with the Holy Spirit. Like a person is filled with rage or filled with drink are filled, controlled by the Holy Spirit. The Bible promises that believers have the Spirit dwelling in them, and the Bible promises that believers can be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Every one of you sitting in those pews right now should be going, God, let that happen to me. I want to be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Like Ephesians 5 and verse 18 where it says, don't be drunk with wine. I mean, all of you probably, maybe some of you have been drunk, you've seen people that are drunk, it's like, yeah, that isn't pretty. They're like, that's debauchery. That's what the Bible says. Drunkenness leads to debauchery. I mean, I kind of everybody knows that unless you only just watch TV commercials, right? That drunkenness leads to debauchery. He said, don't be drunk. That's just, you're not going to be, you, you don't want to do that. But instead of being controlled by alcohol, be controlled by the Holy Spirit. And then immediately it starts to tell the kinds of things you can do to be filled, controlled by the Holy Spirit, like sing, being thankful or singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs and singing, making your melt in your heart with other people or attending church or listening to teaching or yielding to one another. In, the, in Ephesians chapter 5 and 6, it gives specific ways that all of us can be controlled by the Holy Spirit. This should be our aspiration. This should be our desire. But today I want you to understand what, what Luke was telling about these people in the Christmas story. What Luke was telling about Jesus, he's made possible for every one of us who are Christians. We can be indwelt by the Holy Spirit. We are when we're saved. And we can be controlled by the Holy Spirit. Someone has said, we're indwelt once, we're baptized once, we're filled over and over again. And then we can be led by the Spirit. The Bible says, in, and this is just so rich, you want to go there on your own, spend some time there. But in, the, in Galatians, you have a really interesting passage where in Galatians in chapter 5, again, Paul contrasts what it looks like to walk or to live in the flesh and to live in the Spirit. And he says they kind of fight against one another. And you have the works of the flesh, which are ugliness, you know, all kinds of bad things. But then you have the fruit of the Spirit. So track with me on this. If you're a believer, you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. As you yield to the Lord, confess your sin, grow in holiness, sing good songs, saturate your heart with the Bible, you can be controlled by the Holy Spirit, where the Holy Spirit will give you 
benevolent impulses, desires to obey the Bible. And he will empower those desires until you can be actually controlled. In other words, God can actually send you places and inspire you to do things. Karen was moved to witness to Kathy. Kathy was not a hardened, hateful lady. She was a tender-hearted, open, needed-to-hear-the-gospel lady. And when she heard the story, she wanted to believe it. And she believed you saw her get baptized today. I believe that Karen was led by the Holy Spirit to witness to Kathy. And then God was there to do things that Karen couldn't do, Kathy couldn't do, I couldn't do. God only can do that. We want to pray that God will do that over and over again in our lives. I, you want to say to God, okay, God, if you're going to do something, um, excuse me, c- could I be involved? W- would you be willing to use me? God, could, could I be involved in, would you send me to somebody who wants to hear? I can tell this story. If you send me to somebody who wants to hear. I have some friends from the church I pastored before. She was the church's uh, financial secretary. Her name was B, precious Christian lady. Her husband, name was Jim. And they love the Lord. They're simple, humble Christian people. They didn't have much. They lived in a, a, a tidy little mobile home. They had a very modest car. They were very careful with their money because they had to be very careful with their money. They loved the Lord. She would come into the office in the morning and she would tell that she had been listening to John MacArthur on the radio and she'd want to talk about the teaching from the Bible that she'd heard. She was a really precious Christian lady. She told me a story, a Christmas story one day. She said she and her husband, Jim, he did a little tax preparation on the side just to make a little bit of money had driven out of their way to go to Kroger because they had bonus points because they could save a few cents a gallon on their gas. So this is the way they were thinking. They needed to save a few cents a gallon on their gas. Bless you. And while they were there, she said, it was a very, very cold winter day. The ice and snow was coming down. There was a guy that rode up on a bicycle and he was being pelted with ice and snow. And he laid his bicycle down while they were pumping gas. And he started rooting through the trash and they thought, oh, I know what he's doing. He's getting cans because he can, so he can go get something with the, that money. Probably up to no good, you know. But he wasn't looking for cans. He said, Jim said he found some food. Somebody had thrown away some sandwiches in the trash. And then he started to open the sandwiches and look at them to see if he could eat them. And Jim and B, their hearts were broken at this hungry man, and, and they hurry, hurriedly, she got some money out of her purse, he got some money out of his wallet, they took all the money they had, $14. Jim was at his best that day. Instead of going to that poor man, digging through the trash and saying, here's some money, he said, hey, I want to buy those sandwiches from you. Can I buy those sandwiches from you? And the man says, why? He says, I'll give you $14 for those sandwiches. And the guy says, you have a deal. He sells Jim the sandwiches. Jim lays this gift lightly on the man's soul. Jim, who's a devout believer, gives him a gospel pamphlet, wishes him a Merry Christmas. He drives away. He lost a lot of money on his gas purchase that day. But you know what I think? I think he was led by the Holy Spirit. I think it'd be wonderful. I think we'd probably make more happy Christmas memories if we were people who were indwelt by the Holy Spirit, listening to the voice of the Spirit, obeying the promptings of the Holy Spirit, 
eager to hear the impulses of the Holy Spirit. That's what he did that day. The Bible says you can walk or continually yield to the Holy Spirit, Galatians chapter 5. The Bible says that we're given spiritual gifts by the Holy Spirit. In Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Peter 4, Ephesians 4, there are a list of these. Every believer has a spiritual gift or more than one spiritual gift, the gifting that God has given you. In order, you know, some of you are, are verbally gifted, and, and you can just quickly stand to your feet. And, you know, I was that way. When I was a kid, the teacher would say, show and tell. And I would go, i got to find something to show and tell. Even if I didn't have anything, that's kind of how I was wired. Other kids were like, oh, no, I hate show and tell. I don't want to talk. And those guys are the engineers and the mathematicians. They make lots more money than I do today. But they don't talk publicly. They do really smart things. They build bridges and such. But they don't say too much publicly because God's gifted us all differently. And then he supercharges those gifts, the Bible says, by his Holy Spirit. This is the short version of this. But are you tracking with me? Here's what I'm saying. When we look at this story, we see that Luke wants us to know the Holy Spirit is important. And the Holy Spirit actually moves people to do things. And the Holy Spirit actually empowers people to do things. And these are good things. And you want to be a person indwelt by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, giving promptings by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit. You want the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. I was, do you ever meet Christians who are kind of yucky? Don't look around right now. You know, they're just like, they're Christians, but they're like, would you please not tell anybody you're a Christian? That kind of Christian? None of you are even, nobody's even nodding. You're all just like, you look a little bit like the Lone Ranger. You're out there, masked, man, so... No, no. You, you meet Christians that are not too Christian-y. I, I remember there was a couple, and this couple did something that was just particularly unloving. I mean, it was just like, oh, that's not very, oh, that's not, it was not good. I was thinking to myself, can't you see how unkind what you just said and what you just did is? These, they couldn't see it. These people never, I'm not being mean, I'm just saying, they never missed a church service ever. What's the, how do you measure, how can you tell if a person is a spiritual person? Would it be they never miss a church service ever? Does the Bible say that? You can tell the spiritual people they never miss a church service ever. Or, or would it be they know the Bible backwards and forwards? I mean, that's a good thing. They know everything about the Bible. They could like, this same couple would sit and they would listen to my messages real carefully. It's to catch me saying something they could disagree with. And then they would come in, you said that. And I'm like, oh, well, everybody, yeah, everybody can be corrected. But this was like, they knew the Bible and they never missed church services. But does the Bible say the measure of a spiritual person is that they can win the sword drill? Or they have a lot of Bible memorized. I mean, those are helpful things, but that's not what the Bible says is the measure of spirituality. The measure of spirituality, according to the Bible, is not church attendance as good as church attendance is. And the measure of spirituality, according to the Bible, is not Bible knowledge as important as Bible knowledge is. And they were committed. They were devoted. They went to things and they did things. They're, they're nice people. They were good people. But those were not, that is, the Bible doesn't say the measure of spirituality is how many commitments that you make. The Bible very clearly says this. The measure of spirituality is the presence of the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life. 
So until I see that you're filled with love and joy and peace and patience and mercy and that, don't tell me how much Bible you know or how many Sunday school pins you won or how committed you are to God. Just show me your love that's empowered by, especially love that's empowered by the Holy Spirit, unusual love, uncanny love. And, and this is the display of the fruit of the Spirit. What am I doing here? What I'm saying is this. Luke says, hey, don't miss in the birth story. The Holy Spirit is all over this. And he's saying, and the Holy Spirit needs to be all over you. This ought to make you hungry to be a spiritual person. Listen to this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul talks about a spiritual person. And he says something interesting. This is, I'm sorry, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10. These things God revealed to us through his spirit. Remember the passage that we often refer to. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, that eye has not seen, neither has ear heard, neither has entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those who love him. It's like you can't know. A lot of times people don't quote the next verse, but these things are revealed to us by the Holy Spirit. What is the Bible teaching us? What's Paul saying? Paul's saying something that's true about a spiritual woman, true about a spiritual man, is God, God helps them understand things other people don't understand. He gives them spiritual insight. He says, these, he says for the Spirit, verse 10, this is 1 Corinthians 2.10, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for even the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. And the Spirit, verse 12, the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given by God. Verse 13, we're taught by the Spirit. We interpret spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 14, the natural person doesn't accept the things of the Spirit of God. They're folly to him. He's not able to understand them because they're spiritually discerned. A spiritual person judges all things, but he himself isn't judged. For who has understood the mind of the Lord? Who has instructed him? We have the mind of Christ. This is Paul's description of a spiritual person. Are you hungry to be a spiritual person? To be indwelt by the Holy Spirit, filled with the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit. You long for that? You can be baptized by the Holy Spirit, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, possessed by the Holy Spirit. You can be filled with the Holy Spirit, controlled by the Holy Spirit over and over again. You can exercise, you can display spiritual gifts in your life. You can be led by the Spirit. How exciting is that? You can walk in the Spirit over and over again being led by the Spirit. You can be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do things that are of a supernatural nature. You can display the fruit of the Holy Spirit. These are all promises that we have from the Word. Do you mind if I tell you the end of my story that I started with where my sister went and got the gun? <laughs> you th I know what you're thinking. You're thinking that story did not end well. But you know, actually, it, it, it really did. My mother came home and, and she felt guilty that she left us alone. I'm like, yeah, we wouldn't have done any of these bad things if you hadn't left us alone. And my dad came home and he felt guilty too. It was wonderful. Um, they were really careful not to leave us alone after that, which was really nice because it wasn't good for us to be alone. And that, that was the year I remember that we got a color television for the first time. We watched the Nutcracker. It's funny you're here, Melanie. I remember we, we didn't have tons of treats and gifts. We had a we, real, real careful. You got a bag of lemon drops. You, you don't remember this. I remember you got a bag of lemon drops. And we were watching the Nutcracker, and you had them in a little, you had them in a little, um, you hoarded them in a, in a little drawer by your, your bed. 
and, you, and I said, can I have a lemon drop? And she said, yes, one, and you gave me a lemon drop. And I remember laying on the couch watching the Nutcracker on a colored television and eating a lemon drop and thinking, I am in the high cotton here. After a while, Melanie got me another lemon drop. I remember that so well. That year, my little brother Kevin was in a little cute stage. He was maybe two or three years old. We bought him Marvel the Mustang. He's ideal, that little horse. You can ride him if you're old. You remember that. Google that. Look it up. What was such a sweet thing on Christmas morning, we had one of those trees that was real, and we had lights that were fat, and they were colorful, like lights are supposed to be colorful. And we had this little boy with a fat cheeks and a dimpled hands with Marvel the Mustang. We had a happy Christmas. We had a really happy Christmas, but we learned something that year. I, I was singing. I sang in the, in the school program. That was the year that I found my voice. That was the year when we had a, a, a young, attractive, new vocal teacher, and I found my voice, and she gave me a part. We, I, I was the star, literally. I was literally the star uh, of the show. In, in the Christmas show, they, they cut a cardboard thing out, and they sprayed it with gold spray paint, and they cut a hole in the middle, and they put my face in the hole, and I sang. On Tuesday night, the place was packed. I was the star of the show. One star. One sh I can sing that song right now if you'd like me to. <laughs> one shining star. My parents were so proud of me. They decided that the Sunday night before Christmas, I would sing it again at church, and they gave me the star cut out again, and they, they had me sing again at church. That was such a happy Christmas, I remember, but we learned something that year. We learned that we're really not very good if we're left alone. <laughs> we need help. God knew that we needed his son, Jesus Christ, to come into this world to do what only he could do. And God knew that we needed the Holy Spirit to come and do what only the Holy Spirit can do. Stand with me. I want to bless you as we're dismissed. Our Heavenly Father, how thankful we are that you sent your son Jesus into this world to die on the cross, be buried, rose, and to rise again. That those of us who believe could be indwelt, baptized by the Holy Spirit. That we could live in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, under the control of the Holy Spirit, walk in the Holy Spirit, manifest the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Make us hungry for that, I pray. And as we see opportunities in our path to love one another, to give to one another, help us make good Christmas memories. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.